0: We have been working through the Psalms and going through a, a period of a year and a quarter which does not allow us to get all the Psalms but it does allow us to reach a good many of them and we've, we've gone a long way through. We are beginning book four. If you have your Bible there, you can turn to Psalm 90 and probably have a title there above Psalm 90 saying book 4 or something like that. There are five books uh, in the Psalter and we are entering book 4 going to Psalm 91 this morning. So I'll ask you to stand if it is appropriate for you to stand and I'll read Psalm 91. This is God's word is holy inspired inerrant infallible word whatever we say is exposition to this is fallible but what we read now is the word of God hear God's word he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty I will say to the Lord my refuge is And my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night. Or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that lays waste at noon, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked for. You have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down because he has loved me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take these words, comfort our hearts, challenge our hearts and our lives and our minds, put us securely in the hand of Jesus, and give us peace, recognizing his power and your answer to prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. What are the top ten psalms for pastoral visitation? 23, 46, 121, the three psalms that were sung at my grandmother's funeral when I was 13. My grandmother, Gangu, as I called her, who led me to the Lord. I wasn't real good at saying grandmother. 27. 34, 90 and 91, 103, 139, 1 and 100. I know that's more than 10, but I couldn't quite stop. I tried to stop at 10. And then there's some other sort of doubles that go together, 32 and 51, about sin. 42 and 43, about depression. 127 and 128, about babies and houses and homes and children and parents. G. Campbell Morgan said this psalm, Psalm 91, is one of the greatest possessions of the saints. I'm not sure I'd really quite thought about scriptures that way. I've talked with you before about how uh, a lady in Greenville gave me Isaiah 26 on the street in the, in the drizzling rain, and, and I had never been given a verse before, and I thought, well, I've got the whole, got the whole thing here in my arm. It's getting wet. Um... Why are you giving me a verse? And she gave me two verses, recited them for me. And I've realized that is a precious possession, and I still have that gift. She's in heaven, but I've got that gift. And and we've started giving children at baptisms, you know, a, a, a chapter or a verse or a couple of verses, giving them this present. These are some of my greatest possessions. Aren't they yours? Isn't Psalm 23 one of your greatest possessions? When you don't have anything headed for the operating table, when there's nothing, and, and they say you've got 24 hours to live, and, and, and as much as you love the trees in your yard, as much as you love lots of things in your life, uh, even your, your family members, when you have nothing left, you still have the Word of God you still have these possessions. Well, take Psalm 91 with you. If it's not already yours, make it yours. Psalm 91 prepares us to trust in the Lord in the days of terror. Terrorism. I used to think terrorism was a thing far distant. I remember reading a book about pre-Vietnam War situations. I remember reading about uh, a a bomb uh, blowing up a a, a sidewalk cafe, I think it was a, 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 a terrorist, a young boy terrorist on a bicycle riding by and blew people in their pieces of their arms and legs out into the street. And I thought how terrible that is in Vietnam. It's not very close here. Something something distant. Uh, there was one of the fellows in Ruth's class in, in high school. We called him Benny. Um, his name was Franklin... B. Presley, and he was in the 1998 bombing attack on the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi. His wife, Yasmin Presley, uh, who grew up uh, an Azeri Muslim, uh, wrote a book about it called A Dance Among the Flames. Um, but that still, Nairobi seemed a long way away. Uh, and then there was 2000. And one. And suddenly the word terror by night and the arrow that flies by day, the idea of terrorism and Psalm 91 became seemed real close. And what was that date? 911. Jim Mitchell, dear friend of mine. As he began memorizing scripture, and he memorized after he came to the Lord, gave his life fully to the Lord. Uh, as he memorized all 60 verses of the topical memory series of the navigators, and then asked Eloise and me if he could, if he could. It's okay to memorize some psalms, and we said, "Yeah, that's fine, Jim." Because he was waking up at, at night, he was had terrible uh, back pain, and he'd, he'd go through. He said, "I go through all 60 verses." But there's still time left. So just don't make Eloise and me keep up with you. Well, he came up with his 911 verse. That's what he called it, and that's the way I see the first verse of Psalm 91. 911. Trust in the Lord in times of terror. That's what this psalm teaches us. Recognize the great variety of means of his protection, including the work of myriads of angels. It doesn't say your guardian angel. It says angels. And it talks about you. You can't see this because not many of you, if any of you are using King James, but the you is singular. And the angels are plural. To hear strongly emphasized in this psalm, a multi-layered promise of protection now and forever. Let's look at the three parts of the Psalm, examining the driving pronouns. First, you have a summary statement. That's 911. Right there at the beginning. Just simple, straightforward statement: He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That summarizes the whole thing. If you believe that, you believe everything else in it. Of course, you believe everything else in the Bible. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Then you have in verses, then you have verse 2. It's a testimony. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So this is a recommendation of the psalmist. Put your trust in the Lord. The same thing that Anne sang a few minutes ago. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But then, from 3 through 13, it talks about you. And just listen. Listen to all the words about trusting. And I'll just read through these again and think about it. He who dwells in the shelter, the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust you. You see what that assumes. That assumes attack from within and from without. It is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. And many of you all probably have written in, in the margin there, prairie chicken. Or something like that, because the illustration is is going out into the prairie and 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 checking on houses that were burned in the in the in the prairie with the people in them as the fire swept, and and finding a charred prairie chicken on the ground and gently lifting up the 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 dead uh, mother hen and finding. Live chicks coming running out from under her. That's the picture. That's the American picture of Psalm 91. Jesus died. He, he was burned by the wrath of God. And yet we little chicks are, are set free alive to enjoy our lives in him. Verse 5, you will not be afraid of of the terror by night, the arrow that flies by the day, pestilence that stalks in the darkness, destruction that lays waste at noon. They fall all around you, but you've made the Lord my refuge, verse 9, even the most high, your dwelling place. Is he your dwelling place? No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. No evil that can be counted as evil in your life. Calamity, yes, of course. We've been talking about that. The Lord sends calamity. He works within our lives. But he will not allow evil. The only things that come to you are through nail-scarred hands. He's got you in the palm of his hands, and no one can snatch you out of his hands. Or the Father's hand, that's when Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Father, we're one. I'm God, and we've got, we've got all the sheep in our hands, John 10. For he will give his angels, charge, plural, charge concerning you, singular. If you're reading the King James, it's it, thee and thou, that's singular. You and ye, that's plural. In English, we can't tell the difference. But there it is. They will bear you up. The lion and the cobra, the young lion, the serpent, pictures of Satan. And then you have in verses 4, you change from the yous in you in uh, verse 3 through verse 13. And then the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit step in. God speaks and talks about you seven or eight times. He says, I will. It's hard to figure it out. I kept trying to get it to be seven over the years. I can't quite get it to be seven. It's at least eight. But he is is saying, this is what I'm going to do. I will deliver him. He loved us first, no question about that. But we love him in return we sing Jesus loves me, we sing that we love him, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high. He will call upon me, I will answer him. I will be with him, Emmanuel, in trouble. I will rescue him, and I will honor him. The word will isn't there, but it's, it's, in, it's in the verb, with a long life, I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. The ministry of angels. Um, Psalm 91 has been prayed by many people in, in lots of different cultures. There's, there's an odd part of Dr. Shivago that you may have read or you may have heard about. Uh, Yuri. Shivago is in a situation where he ends up you have you have this battle going on between the red guards and the white guards <clears throat> one of, of each side ends up dead and and yuri uh, finds that each one of them is wearing an amulet now this this isn't the same thing as praying psalm 91 but somebody in their ancestry prayed psalm 91 over and over again, it's because back in the old Slavonic language, which these soldiers would not be able to understand in in 1900s Russian, um, they they had had it had Psalm 91 written out and folded up and put it in an ambulance, supposed to protect them. Uh, both sides had it. Now th- this is this is not luck. This is do not write it down and put it in an ambulance and, and say, well, this is going to protect me. Ambulance, there's no such thing as protection that way. It's the Lord and his angels who will protect you. Just concentrate on Psalm 91. And the odd thing about Dr. Shivago is that as he looked at the ambulance and everything, it turned out that the bullet had hit the ambulance, and, and, and one of the two guys, one of the guys was dead, one of the guys was alive. I don't know exactly what Boris Pasternak was saying about that. But I can give you another testimony of a man named Harold Borchardt, who was a PCA pastor, a good friend of Ruth's dad. As he was landed in, onto one of the islands of Japan that Japan was holding in World War II, he said he went in upside down. His, his life jacket didn't work right, so he went in like this in the surf. But it obviously survived. And he was shot. Um... And the bullet hit the New Testament that was in his pocket that the United States had given him. And so he always had that at General Assembly to show you, to show you that New Testament. Uh, I don't have his biography, and I may not have all the details right, but you can look it up if you can find it. It's called Unhindered. How about Christ? Because you've made the Lord... Or let's, I'll read it in verse 9 in, in King James. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, ne- neither any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. This is the only verse that the devil has quoted, at, le- at least we've been told about. It's in Matthew 4, and it's in Luke 4. The Matthew 4 section says, Then the devil took him, Jesus, into the holy city. He said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, this is Satan talking, misquoting the Lord. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He will guard you in all your ways, all your ways of walking in His ways. You know, He, he puts the light before you, Psalm 119, 105. He will, he will guide you in His way. And you think about Pilgrim's Progress. As, as long as you're in His way, nobody can get to you. Fierce dogs on chains a himself. He can attack you, but he can't win against you. Nothing as you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Everything is out of you. You'll be protected. Now, if you go out of his way, you don't have that protection. So do not take Psalm 91 as saying, I can do whatever I want, and I'll have angels to protect me. It's like, that's not what it's saying. You stay in the straight and narrow. You stay following the Lord, and he will not let any evil befall you, not anything to to keep you from going in your path, if your path is his path. The Lord's moment-by-moment protection does not apply when you go your own way. Christ did not go his own way. Don't you understand? That's what Satan was asking him to do. Don't go to the cross. This is too hard. You have all power. Here, I'll, I'll I'll give you all the lands that are under my dominion. Jesus said, no, I'm not listening to you. I'm going the way I agreed to go. You go the way you agreed to go. And you have nothing... Nothing to fear as you go. Christ did not go his own way. And immediately after the temptation, you know what happened. The angels came in and ministered unto him. The Puritans applied this as they approached the plague and they went out when other other people left. Martin Luther writes about it, dealing with the plague. Spurgeon had a similar situation in 1854. The Asiatic cholera, something came in from Asia into London. And people were dying right and left, and people were, of course, leaving London. But he did not. And he says, my friends seemed falling one by one. I felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest. I felt my burden was heavier than I could bear, and I was ready to sink under it. As God would have it, I was returning mournfully home from a funeral when my curiosity led me to read a paper which was wafered up. I don't know exactly what that means. Wafered up in a shoemaker's window in the Dover Road. It did not look like a trade announcement, Nor was it, for it bore in good, bold handwriting these words Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. The effect upon my heart, Spurgeon said, was immediately. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure refreshed, girt with immortality. And so it is. As long as you're doing what the Lord wants you to do on earth, you are immortal. Now, of course, your soul is immortal anyway. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you can't die. You cannot die until you've accomplished that for which the Lord has sent you. You cannot die until your days are over. There is no luck. 10,000 at your right side. It's you know the bullets flying everywhere. I saw in in the Richmond museum up there a rosette where a bullet from the federal troops a bullet, bullet from the confederate troops met in the air and it makes a little a little flower. Wherever the bullets are going, every bullet is under the Lord's control. And this just because you have 10,000 die right beside you doesn't mean that it's, it's luck. The Lord has you protected if you're walking in his way till you get to the end of the way. And then he's still with you as you cross the Jordan. The last sentence from Spurgeon, I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit, I felt no fear of evil and I suffered no harm. Promise protection forever. Uh, if you, I would encourage you to uh, listen to Adventures in Odyssey, uh, the one that was uh, uh, aired yesterday, July the 3rd. A uh, character in there. Junior high, middle middle school character named Irwin Springer uh, gets a bump on his head and goes back into July the 4th, 1776, and Nathan Hale picks him up and he meets Benjamin Franklin, uh, and then he gets to speak to the Second Continental Congress. It's pretty exciting, and it gives you a Christian perspective on that. Ben Franklin said um, later than that, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid?" We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that, quote, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, close quote. I firmly believe this and therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and the blessing on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate at that service. You probably also know about Washington as he fought under Braddock and Braddock wouldn't listen to him in seventeen fifty five French and Indian War when everybody was British uh, there were no states, there were only colonies and um, Washington would, they would Braddock would not not listen to Washington to say approach Indian style. Uh, and so the Indians attacked them and wiped out a large portion of the British force. And the leader, and all the officers except one, and that was Washington. And the leader of the, of the Native Americans told his braves only to focus at that man. And they fired, and they fired, and they fired. And they missed him every time. And then 15 years later, that leader said, I am chief and ruler over my tribes. And he said, he told his braves, Mark, yon yon tall and daring warrior. He is not of the Red Coat tribe. He hath an Indian's wisdom and his warriors fight as we do. He alone is exposed. Quick, let your aim be certain, and he dies. So he came and, and told Washington, and others later about how he was protected. And that used to be in almost all our books until 1934. And you, Some of you may not, never have heard it. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. Is God not talking to you when he says all those I wills? Is... He not with you? Have you not set your love upon Him? Have you not known His name? Do you not call upon Him? Do you not call upon Him in trouble? Do you not need Him in trouble? You, individually. This is how Psalm 91, sung by Jesus, applies to you. You are immortal until you complete your mission just like Jesus. Man... In this psalm, fills out the measure of his days. And whether he dies young or old, the man who walks in the ways of the Lord is satisfied with life. As one old commentator says, that he shall rise from life's banquet as a man who has had enough and would not have more even if he could. Sort of like daddy. As mama would not let us say, I'm full. That was inappropriate to say at the table. And so we had to say, and Daddy had to say, I have received the greatest sufficiency. And similarly, when we'd ask him to go somewhere and do something, he said, I'm I'm very well satisfied. And And, and so he went to glory. I hope that I can be the same way. I hope that I can be... Th- Walking with the Lord at the end of my days. I hope I can be in His way and that He will be with me. And that I will be pleased and satisfied. And get up from the table of this world. And go to the banqueting table above and say, I am satisfied. And having been in the Lord's will throughout my life. As he has led me and has forgiven me and has restored me and has brought me back when I've strayed, that I may say, I would not have lived another day if I could. For he has been with me from beginning to end. Let's pray.